Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. Welcome to Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, another big week. Every week seems to be large-ish. You know, when for me, when you're on lockdown, time has actually compressed to a single point uh, and is now a meaningless concept. Uh, days pass. Uh, without the routines of daily life, it's impossible to distinguish between weekdays and weekends. Speaking of you know, time slowing down and so on, you were so smart last week to explain uh, the concept of gravity and, and why we don't just fly off the Earth <laughs> since the Earth is traveling at the equator 25,000 miles an hour. Sure. Maybe you can explain some some show, uh, this whole business about the space-time continuum and how yeah. time slows down. Oh, and sure. Einstein in a rocket Time dilation. Ship. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. do that. Uh, probably a, a lot of folks. I might have to do some light reading yeah, between episodes to yeah. figure that one out. Week or two from now, uh, we will do that. We're going to talk about General Flynn. Um, boy, last week, well, how stupid do I feel? I said, okay, you know, he's walking. It's a no-brainer. The judge is going to grant the motion to dismiss. Well, Connor, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Can I still say that, or is that fat shaming? No, I think that's fine. Is that okay to yeah, say? let's say it's fine. So we're going to talk General Flynn. I'm also going to give my prediction for the November 2020 presidential election. I, I have kind of a rationale behind it. You may not... Think much of my rationale, but wow. before this show is over, I am going to tell you who's going to win the damned election. Okay? Oh, I can't wait. We're going to talk about innovation, whether that's the way out of the pandemic or if we should just all stand down and let the government do it because they do know best. Oh, are those the opposite two yeah. choices that we can pick between? I had no idea. Pretty much. Pretty much. We had a great week uh, with our, our cinema uh, experiences. We saw we basically at a Sam Rockwell film festival. We did. Uh, we saw three billboards uh, outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is a big cheat because they filmed it in North Carolina, not Missouri. Liars. They could have just set it in North Carolina. It could have been three billboards outside whatever North Carolina, and then it would have matched, and it would have looked like North Carolina, and it all would have made sense. Does anyone Was anyone married to it being Missouri? Who cares? Why know. was it set in Missouri? I don't know, but it, it worked. The movie was wonderful. It was great. I mean, Frances McDormand, I think she won the Oscar. Uh, best actor. You're not supposed to say best actress, are you? I have no idea. No, you're not supposed to. And I don't think Sam Rockwell necessarily won. Maybe he won something, but he was tremendous, too. He's always good. We saw Moon. At least uh, your mom and I saw Moon. You had recommended it high. Yeah, I was so shocked that you weren't was, into Moon. Sam Rockwell's basically solo experience, yeah. or, I mean, solo performance well, in Moon. kind of. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he's great. It's really good. A double spoiler alert. I like movies with happy endings, Connor, and I wouldn't sure. put this in the bucket sure. of happy sure. ending movies. But he's he's always great. I really want to see uh, Mr. Right with Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell. So that's going to be on next week's list. It's going to be great. Uh, I saw a picture in the paper uh, this week about uh, Pepper Rogers, a UCLA Bruin football coach from the 70s. Uh, he died this week. And it was a fun memory for me because next to him was Mark Harmon, who was quarterback of the football team in that era when Mark and I actually were classmates at UCLA. And it reminded me of my my brush with fame with Mark because I've, I've bored you with my story about bumping into no, Jeff Goldblum and Dan Aykroyd. Well, thank you. Anyway, here's the deal about Mark Harmon. I'll never forget this memory. Uh, and everybody knows him from NCIS. I mean, tremendous talent. This is the guy who puts his sunglasses on and says a zinger at the beginning of the episode. Like, looks like 
this one's on ice. And then he puts his glasses on and goes, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it's a classic. all of those episodes. NCIS, it's amazing. But I've never seen deal. an episode. So Mark Harmon, uh, back in the day, a quarterback for the UCLA football team, his first game in, as the varsity quarterback, he and the Bruins upset number one in the nation, Nebraska. This is October 1972, I think. So he is ultimate big man on campus. Mark and I share a speech class, just a basic, you know, speech 101. You draft a speech, you give the speech and so on. And Professor Waldo Phelps, my favorite professor in college, wonderful man, he comes up with this idea. Okay, folks, you're going to team up. You're going to be two-man teams. Women could be involved, too. Uh, and one of you will write the speech, the other will deliver it, you'll collaborate. And so Mark Harmon, big man on campus, is my partner. So we sit down together and we agree that I will write a speech on Benito Mussolini, the dictator from Italy in World War II. Pro or con? Well, of con, of course. The man was a monster and they hung him upside down. Anyway, so that's the deal. I'm going to write it up. Mark's going to deliver it. It's going to be a wonderful team effort. So I write the speech up, and uh, boy, did I just sweat bullets writing this one. Because, you know, well, Mark Mark's going to deliver. Mark, yeah. Yeah, he's going to tell all the gals that are dating him how tremendous uh, uh, writing <laughs> speechwriter Royal is. And yeah. Who knows where And then made. you're a made man. So I show up at the class the day, and I hand the speech about, Mark, uh, about Benito Mussolini to Mark Harmon, and he looks at it. And he hands it back to me and he says, you know, I'm really not comfortable speaking in public. Would you mind delivering it? And I said, sure, Mark, that, that would be fine. Well, the fact that a few years later he was People Magazine's sexiest man alive. Right. He starred in a bunch of movies, Presidio with Sean Connery, and then, of course, the huge TV star. Am I bitter? Am I resentful over over this the thing public that speaking happened? thing? Yeah. No, no. Well, I, I barely remember it. The details see, have all gone. You probably did a great job delivering that speech, and you used up all of your charisma and public speaking juice on that, and that's why he he was saving his. Could and be. then he used it in his career and became fantastically successful and wealthy. Whereas you had to become some low life lawyer. I have not seen him since the seventies. What? We in college you guys together. don't hang out? No, but I understand that he is a tremendous uh, dad, uh, husband. You know, Pam Dauber and he are still married. And I've, I've talked to a fellow who actually he builds pools, and Mark hired the guy to build his pool. Mark could not have been a nicer, more regular guy. I have a beer with him, and so on. So. But, you know, he just wasn't comfortable public speaking-wise sure, that sure, particular you know. day. Everybody uh, we, has bad days. We lost a comedy giant this uh, week, uh, Fred Willard, uh, best known in the Christopher Guest mockumentary films. He was the announcer in Best in Show. Uh, I was reading his obit today in the LA Times. Uh, an absolute uh, genius when it comes to improv, apparently. I didn't realize that. And that's how he and Christopher Guest met. They were in a play together. And all of a sudden, Christopher Guest hears Fred Willard saying lines that are ad-lib. They're not in the play script. And he's thinking, what's going on? What's with this guy? Well, they get to know each other and he realizes what a genius he is. Uh, Fred Willard played the sidekick for Martin Mull in Fernwood Tonight, uh, a late 70s fake talk show. If you haven't seen it, folks, go to YouTube, check it out. There's Fred in all his glory. Uh, just uh, did a tremendous job. Fernwood, one word, Fernwood Fernwood, tonight. one word, two, the Arabic number two, night. It was, oh. a, it was a cute title. Oh, cute. The obituary, many of lawyers. course, dutifully mentioned, Connor, the 2012 arrest uh, of Fred well, Willard yeah, for sure. a I mean, lewd act in an X-rated theater. Who hasn't been for, arrested for a lewd act in an X-rated theater? Pee Wee Herman. The charge was dropped. But the thing that Fred I was, well, was so amazed by uh, in the newspaper today, his quote that he gave to the press when he was arrested was, you know, it was a lousy film, but the theater would make a terrific racquetball court. Now, 
Can you imagine the confidence of a guy? The presence. Who has been an actor in the public eye for decades, and all of a sudden he has this highly embarrassing thing happen. And for him to rip off a line like that, you got to be impressed. It's and as I said, it was, charges were dropped. I'm sure it was a giant misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe Fred was gay. Right. No, no, no. He, his wife of fifty years died two years ago. Oh, no, okay. you're mixing him up with some other Fred. No, I just, uh, I just assumed. No, uh, you know what happens when you sure, assume. absolutely. But especially on a podcast with two people, then we're both. It makes an ass out of with both the same of wretch. us. Both that doesn't spell it out hosts. very well. Anyway, R.I.P. Fred Willard. Yeah. Check out his stuff. Uh, YouTube, Netflix, whatever. He was wonderful. He's always the star of all these Christopher Guest movies. Basically, the, the highlight. So before we get to the uh, the heavy duty. Uh, Flynn stuff. I, I found Connor. I think the most depressing COVID fact of all. Oh God! Loud speech can leave COVID droplets in the air for. Wait for it. Fourteen minutes. Okay, okay, so this is depressing for you and your loud speech, perhaps. Well, I'm a normal speaker, but you know, we all know loud speakers ah, who just yes. the, tiny particles that emerge from a loudmouth's pie hole can linger like crazy. This room is a hot spot. I guess. This is according to the National Institutes of Health. I'm not making this up. They say the residue of a blowhard can spread the virus more effectively than the most vigorous of sneezes. So I came up with a solution, Connor, for this, for the bellowers. First, you remove the straps uh, off of your ears from the mask. You place the entire mask plus the straps into your mouth and you oh, stuff it yes. firmly against your epiglottis. Good idea. I think that solves the problem of the 14 minutes. It solves a whole variety of problems. Yeah. Uh, the other thing in the news here, pretty cool horse racing is back at Santa Anita. Uh, is that cool? Well, of course, it's without spectators. And the great news part of it here is that now possible death only awaits the horses on the track and not the fans in the stands. Hooray. I think they've had these horrible, the string of bad luck with horses dropping dead at Santa Anita. Yeah. And the experts can't seem to get a handle on it. I guess it's always been a problem. It's concerning. Yeah. Well, I'm not a Santa Anita guy, so I'm, I'm not exactly uh, mourning uh, the the, uh, the fact that we haven't been, been having racing much. Uh, but it's kind of sad for the course, horses that they course. can't figure out uh, what the heck to do about yeah. this. So let's talk uh, General Flynn. Uh, the pr- government uh, said— uh, Does he get to be general forever? Does he, is he ever uh, yeah, ex-general? I think you're supposed to use the, the highest titles a person has. So if, for example, he's city councilman, but later on he's ambassador to the UN, when, okay. you, when you meet up with him when he's in his 80s and 90s, you don't say councilman Schmedlap. Sure. You say ambassador Schmedlap. Sure. So I would be uh, the vice president of the Nicolas Cage fan club at UC Santa Barbara <laughs> for the rest of my life, because that's the highest the title apex. ever. It's, it's what I like to call the apex yeah. of a person's life. Or the nadir. Either way, I, it could it could be interpreted. About halfway between the apex and the nadir. Yeah. That'd be about the navel, I think. <laughs> so, uh, okay, the deal is a week or so ago, the government says, uh, Your Honor, <laughs> we, we want to dismiss the charges against General Flynn. This was a horrible misunderstanding. And everybody thought, well, it's a no-brainer. Well, at least I thought it was a no-brainer. So now the judge says, oh, not so fast. The judge has hired on a retired federal judge to give some uh, help, input, to try to give him uh, assistance as to whether or not the case should be dropped. And what the, the judge is expressing is the possibility that when Flynn said on the record under oath, I lied, here's my plea deal, please approve it, Your Honor. And then months later, he says in a declaration under oath, I didn't lie. I want to withdraw my plea deal. I think I was framed. The judge is pointing to the declaration under penalty of perjury and saying, you know what? You committed perjury 
when you said you didn't lie because under oath earlier you said you did lie. One time or the other, you've committed perjury, so I want this retired judge to come at. So here's my problem, Connor. Mm -hmm. Not only is this really kind of weird and esoteric and very few people have ever heard of anything like this. Yes. And so people are suspecting, well, maybe the judge just has it in for the Trump administration or whatever. I don't know if there's any kind of bias there. But the judge he took on, the retired judge, to give him input— the week before he hired him, wrote a Washington Post op-ed saying that oh, something's fishy here, the Trump administration is really bad, handling the Flynn case and so on. Don't you think they should have hired somebody with a better level of objectivity to give input to the real Article Three judge? Having a, per- having a perspective and having an opinion doesn't mean you can't be objective. I don't know who this guy uh, is or whether he is, in, in whatever sense, unbiased. I think it's pretty meaningless to to try to hold someone up as unbiased. And that's why I think the whole view of judges as these automatons, people who just call balls and strikes, as John Roberts likes to say, uh, is silly. I mean, we are all the sum of our experiences, our biases, our prejudices, our education, our, our interactions with our friends and family, our careers. Everything goes into who we are and, and helps us make uh, a whole person. And it's it's like trying to think, well, well, if I could back out of my experiences and try to legislate and m- make the best laws, uh, I'd be, it'd be better if I could forget who I am, if I could forget that if I'm a man or a woman or non-binary or whatever. I wish I could forget that I was of a certain race or ethnic background or from a certain country or certain socioeconomic strata. Kind of like nonsense. Senator Byrd, the Democrat senator uh, who used to be in the KKK. If only he could forget the fact that he was in the KKK. I think it's just gibberish. To try to, to try to pull back from yourself and try to make decisions uh, without knowledge that you've accumulated over your whole life. That knowledge you've accumulated over your whole life is your wisdom. That's who you are. It's who makes you. What makes you have good? And it's judgment. true. Everybody has biases yeah. and opinions. There's just no way to pull that back. Now, the bigger question about the about Flynn and when they're bringing this guy in to talk about it, you're right. It is a bizarre and esoteric idea. It is this. Byzantine web of what is perjury and what is not perjury and it was it a perjury trap and are perjury traps a real thing and if they are uh, a real thing are they bad the real issue is that nobody except uh, General Flynn and a member you know a member of the Trump administration is getting this sort of treatment from uh, law enforcement nobody's looking backwards at, at this and examining this deeply and saying well are we treating people who are in custody and answering questions for the police unfairly in this way we all accept it as normal and, and rational we all say this is how law enforcement's done we lay traps for people we try to get them to, for, to lie and then like martha stewart and richard nixon the cover-up is always worse than the crime i mean those are on the same <laughs> level basically martha martha and uh, and rich uh tricky Didn't dick nixon always say life is good yeah exactly. no 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 that was that was fine martha, I, mean, I'm sorry. I mean the the fact that we we uh are are examining this so carefully and deeply and deciding whether, oh man, are they treating poor, poor General Flynn? Well, it, it, that I think is indicative of, of how we we have a different standard of, of care and, and, and kid gloves that we put on when dealing with some people. There are people going through the law enforcement system Every single day who are subjected to this type of treatment and this type of, you know, pressure that they put on people and ways that they extract confessions out of people and all the rest. And 
nobody gives that a second thought. And then, of course, when it's somebody who's high profile, it turns into, well, we can't treat him so unfairly and all no, the rest. Make, Either it's okay point. for him or it's not okay for anybody. But we can't start examining it now. It's like when Al Franken got accused and everybody turned around and said, well, well, then you're just going to let him off the hook because he's a Democrat senator, aren't you? Isn't that what you get? And we all went, no, obviously that's not the time. Leftists can't drop our well, let's believe and listen to victims now but maybe I'm just because it's a Democrat. But Connor, I think that the reason his fellow Democrats threw him under the bus is because Al Franken, if he had proceeded and defended himself, he would have been a face of the violators of the Me Too movement. And it would have tarred the Democrats with the same brush because there were a bunch of Republicans uh, who were guilty of this. And I think that's why they dumped him. And I think it was really unfair because for all we know, he was totally innocent, but he was just basically steamrolled out of the United States. And Al Franken should still be on the Senate floor. When we come back, we're going to find Connor's reaction to Alan Dershowitz. Connor's a big fan. Big Dersh fan. Love uh, the Dersh. Dershowitz has got a take on the general flame. Wait, issue. Dershowitz has a take? He does. And it's bad? And we're going to hear You didn't say that, it. I just assumed it? We're going to hear about it on Too Many Lawyers Stick With Us. We're back with Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. We're talking about the General Flynn uh, flip-flop. People are saying the judge is a flip-flop man. I don't know if that's just a little bit too weird, but uh, we all thought that the charges would be dismissed. Now maybe they aren't. Now, Alan Dershowitz, and Connor is on record not being terribly impressed with this uh, Harvard it's Mr. Tidy Whitey's Dershowitz himself. He wrote an op-ed piece in the, the uh, Wall Street Journal, I believe, this week in which he said, you know, this judge should not be questioning the prosecutor's decision to drop the case. Judges decide actual cases and controversies. They cannot give advisory opinions or intrude on executive or legislative branch powers. And he concluded only the executive branch has power to decide whether to prosecute. So the judge ought to back off. So in the immortal words of Sam Kinison and Back to School, Rodney Dangerfield's masterpiece, is he right? No, it's it's actually uh, it's actually the the opposite. Um, Dershowitz is misunderstanding this idea of prosecutorial discretion, um, and he's saying basically that the Trump administration is well, the Trump administration because they're the prosecutors have the chance uh, the the, uh, the the decision making power to pull back on on any investigations and basically give shadow pardons to people, and it's fine. Don't worry about it. That's actually the opposite of what's happening. What's happening is the prosecutors were being controlled and influenced by the executive for political reasons. They're stepping in and saying, this is Trump's good buddy, Flynn, and it would reflect badly on Trump if he turns out to be scum. So let's exonerate him and then back off Justice Department. I mean, that's the problem with, with having a guy like William Barr, who is a bad dude, who makes bad decisions and is totally in the pocket of Trump who just does whatever Trump says. And that's, I mean, this is the problem. We don't have a justice department that we can actually trust who we can think is in any way independent of Trump. And I mean, this is the problem with Trump installing a whole bunch of cronies in government. Cronyism, it it it, it undermines the, the confidence we can have in our government. When our government is being run by uh, a, a guy who thinks he's a king and all that guy's like <laughs> son-in-law who has no skills or knowledge, daughter who's for all, for everything that I've ever heard her words, I've ever heard her say, sounds like an idiot and has no skills or accomplishments or education or anything of her own on her own. I mean, 
this is the complete undermining of government. This is this is what conservatives, true conservatives, are afraid of. They're afraid of idiots running government and making no, stupid, terrible decisions for their own no political White benefit. No House Christmas card for you this I year, guess not. Connor. Uh, Jared, so, uh, Jared, I'm going to give ask, you my address. Please, I take it all back. Let me ask you this: um, Are we just wasting our bloviating COVID-infused breath? Uh, when we know Trump is going to pardon Flynn, if in fact the judge says, no, doggone it, he's going to go to trial, he committed perjury, you know Trump's going to do that, so uh, we're wasting our time, right? <sighs> we all have to aspire to live our lives as though we don't know that Trump will simply undermine and destroy anything good about the world, the government, and the United States of America. It's we have to soldier on anyway. Look, President Trump and William Barr underneath him. You had difficulty getting those words out, didn't you? President, President and Trump. Donald J. Trump. Look, Barr <laughs> went so far as to move to dismiss this Flynn case outright. In response, the lead prosecutor- oh, filed a motion to dismiss right, it. Thus moved, filed oh, a motion right, right, moved right, yeah. to dismiss. You're, you're right, you're right. Uh, the lead prosecutor quit the case, and the government's, the, the department's filing was un- uh, was- unsigned by any prosecutor. It was only signed, oh, oh no, it was by, signed by Timothy Shea, the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, appointed by Barr, a political appointee. But no career prosecutor who existed before Trump was willing to put their name well, on this document. Was the guy a plumber for decades? So, so he doesn't count as a career prosecutor? He's a, point, he's a political appointee. Okay. He's not you know, one of the prosecutors who had, who existed prior to Trump. And the lead prosecutor in the case quit. This is a total hack job from the from the White House who said, destroy this well, case, when you take write it apart. A, when you write a book over three years and the manuscript is there and somebody lights a match to it, you're ticked off. Of course you're going to quit. That's true. What are you going to do, laugh? Oh, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. bad day, I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, this is Flynn, the, the, like the justification that, Shay, the guy who signed the document, the, the motion to dismiss this case against Flynn, Shay, but really Trump and Barr and the rest of the Justice Department who are, are behind this, uh, who signed on to this at least, they said the issue is that Flynn's lies were not material, that they weren't important, that right. they were ancillary to the investigation, and therefore we're going to drop it. That's not how lying to the FBI as a crime works. When you lie to the FBI, you lie to the FBI. Well, you're, you're debating the underlying case over and, whether exactly. they should have moved to yeah. dismiss, and, and, but the judge isn't going after that so you're right. much. A little right. bit, but mainly he's asking about the perjury. You're issue. right, absolutely. So we'll see what this retired judge comes up with. Hey, I promised I'm going to give my prediction on the election, Connor. Uh, Can't wait. Yeah, well, so here, here's the deal. Brett Stevens, uh, another one of your, your faves. Big fan! Op-ed piece. He's columnist for the New York Times. And he says, look, there are two groups, and I'm not saying he's coming out this way. I infer something from him. He says there are two groups in America with COVID. There are remote workers, people who are able to work from home, uh, and there are exposed workers, people who have to get out there, put that mask on, and right. go do it. Right. Uh, two-thirds of the workers are exposed, only one-third of the remote workers. Uh, the people who are going to decide the election are the people who are exposed. They... I think, gave the White House to Trump when they resented elites who dissed them. These were the bitter clingers in Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania, the bumper stickers that said, I'm a bitter clinger, playing off of Obama's secretly recorded comment to a, you know, a group in San Francisco where he said people cling to their guns and their religion. Bit, they bitterly cling. So they, these folks resented that. So now in November, the question is going to be, who was right in the handling of this? Democrats who have said month after month, stay shut down, save lives, pump money out to people, or the Republicans who said, open the damned country. The depression is going to kill you even more so than COVID. 
Now, the Democrats probably are ahead on that score right now based on public opinion polls. I think in October and November, I think by then the fear of getting COVID will have eased, but the economic catastrophe will have deepened. So I think Trump will have the edge in November. What do you think? I think that depends, as you point out, on how things develop and how things change. If the economy gets worse and worse, Trump will be in a much worse spot. But I think you're right in saying that the Democrats are currently ahead right now, and there's not there's no reason to believe that we can't have more government action to try to save the economy and improve the economy as it gets worse. Because right now, things are getting worse, but of course, the stock market's doing okay again. But we can. there's still opportunity for government action to save those people out there who are unfortunately the essential workers, the exposed workers, the ones who have to you know risk their lives on a daily basis to get the job done and, and keep the economy going. Those people can receive more government aid and will be buoyed by that. And I think that they'll be okay. I think that People will, you know, we will adapt to the situation slowly as it happens, and we'll keep, you know, passing bills through the Senate that that keep helping people. And I don't think that there's going to be some economic, you know, runaway economic crisis that is going to really uh, uh, destroy Trump's chances. I think it will be a close fight, but I think that Trump will lose because I think that a lot of Democrats stayed home or cast protest votes or were uninterested in politics because Hillary Clinton wasn't an exciting candidate. Whereas on the other side, Trump was a very exciting candidate. And now I think Trump is going to be a less exciting candidate because his flaws have been revealed for over four years. Meanwhile, people, the people who would be sort of unenthused by Biden, I think will largely realize, well, I sat it out and look what happened. My candidate didn't win. Clinton didn't win. And not ca- not casting a vote at all as a protest. It didn't really work out for me because I, you know, the game theory situation was well, a vote not for Clinton is a vote for Trump no matter what, even right. if it's not a vote cast at all. They're going to they I've realized that. And I think voter turnout is going to change dramatically in this next election as a result. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's less than six months off the presidential it's, election. It feels and, it feels like know, it's been it feels like it's been six months away for <laughs> three and a half years. I have a feeling that Biden will be okay because you know how Kimmy Schmidt emerged from the bunker? Yes. Okay. I mm-hmm. think Biden will emerge from the basement. Yeah. yeah and he'll he, have at some point he's gonna and get he's on gonna, the hustings. You know, undergo a, a series of 30-minute vignettes in which he grows and changes and learns about the world in 2020 and that you can't sniff people's hair and and all the rest. <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna turn out to be a good president as a result. Because he's gonna be surrounded by career politicians who know what the heck they're doing. Meanwhile, he's gonna spank Trump. Who is well, not literally, but you know, figurative uh, political spanking of Trump because Trump's going to be out here saying, "Well, we need a warp speed vaccine," right. and after after you know, on questioning, Alex Azar, HHS director under Trump, says, "Well, yeah, we don't actually know that the uh, we, we in fact believe that uh, tens of thousands of the doses of any warp speed vaccine that Trump prods companies into producing and pushing out into the world, tens of thousands of doses of that will not be safe or effective. But you know what? It's going to be out there." The f- reporters were like floored. They I couldn't even process what to say. One of them said, so are you saying that the, the president's guaranteeing us a right to get, what, a shot in the arm before the end of the year? Like, <laughs> right. what is he guaranteeing here? And Azar's response to that was, yeah, we don't know that the vaccines that we may put out there will be safe and effective, but they at least will be put out there. Just gonna shoot random chemicals and viruses into people and hope it works out? Like, there's a reason <laughs> vaccines take a long time. I'm happy to report that our uh, our great Dane Faust has joined us in the room here. Okay. And of course, 
He sits anywhere he wants to sit. He does. This is Too Many Lawyers. Uh, please check us out. Uh, Connor will explain to you how you can rate and subscribe and all that fancy yeah, stuff. Yeah, so uh, you, if you get us on iTunes, it's super easy. It's right there. Uh, please, you know, give us uh, that five-star, four-star, whatever the maximum is. I don't even know. I don't use iTunes. Uh, report. Or you can, on whatever Android, like I am, platform you use to get podcasts you know rate us highly and leave a review if there's an option to leave a review for a show we really appreciate that um uh, that strokes our ego and we get to say things like someone left a review and that feels good because then that means somebody's <laughs> listening somebody mom out there are you listening no so thank you all for doing that hey when we come back governor newsom of california kind of he wants to close two prisons and cut parole time for felons from five, five years down we to solved one year. crime we're gonna talk about that when we return on too many lawyers This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roland Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, you've talked about the carceral state a few mm, times yes, in recent shows. Phrase. And, That's you good. know, I didn't I didn't know the word. I, I, did, I didn't know what you meant by state. But, um, but I do know now because I've looked it up. Um, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, we've got too many people in prison. Governor Newsom is one of those folks. He's planning to close two prisons here in the Golden State. He's going to cut parole for felons from five years down to one year for uh, felons. But... He says if you're a sex offender, doggone it, your parole is going to be cut to a year and a half. So he's get, he's cracking down in that sense. Hooray! So you've pointed out that you know we have a pretty uh, high incarceration rate compared to highest in the world, Liechtenstein and Luxembourg and a lot high, of compared other to literally anywhere. I now wanna, I want to run a solution by it, you and see what you think mm-hmm. of this. I think first we fix our laws. We get rid of victimless crimes. We get rid of the racist elements in the criminal yes. justice system. Mm-hmm. Bad sentences like crack cocaine being so much more than powder cocaine. It's funny. I, I Googled this, Connor. I, I Googled, I typed in crack cocaine, and I spelled C-O-C-A-I-N. So I'm, I'm missing one letter, right? One, one letter, You yeah. want to guess what came up? What did the computer suggest when I typed in crack Cocaine. You think they put it put an e in there? No, no they're very prudish. They suggested cockiness or Cochin, <laughs> which is a city in India I've never heard of. Why wouldn't Google realize Royals interested I, in crack look, cocaine? He really shouldn't be. <laughs> but I'm gonna. They wouldn't give me the e. They give me a city in India. Look, you're a, you're a Google uh, software programmer, and you have a bunch of options for ways that you can fill in the blanks when people start typing in letters. Yeah. And cockiness. Your, your, your boss says, "Look, okay, so kids are going to be using this service. Uh, wh- what are the categories of things we should not fill in?" If they start typing it, let's not give kids ideas. If I start typing something, something in, it's never should fill in yeah. murder. This is drugs. just like so. Nancy Reagan had a special executive order in nineteen eighty four. Just say no, just say no to searching to the e at the end of cocaine. Yeah, exactly. All right. So my point is, we, we improve the criminal justice system. We get rid of the bad Love sentences. It. On board. We work work on law enforcement. Yes. Uh, cops, prosecutors, judges. Right. Make sure they're making good decisions yeah. on arresting. I like that you're putting this up first because you're right. Oh, yeah. This has to be addressed first. That's that's step one. We do everything we can Mm -hmm. to get racism out of the system. Now, let's see if you like my step two. Okay. Double the number of prisoners and build a lot more prisons. And here's why. I looked it up on the interweb. Hit me. Uh, We have, per 100,000 people in America, uh, 2,836 victims of crime. And I mean by that violent crime, murder, manslaughter, rape, robbery, aggravated so assault. So 2,800 victims per... Per 100,000. And it. property crime, too. Property mm-hmm. crime yep. is burglary and yep. larceny and crime yep. theft. So um, we have, at that rate, 
I looked it up and we got 323 million people in America. At that rate of property and violent crime, that's 9.2 million victims of crime. Now, of that, of the 9.2, 1.3 million are violent crime victims. Mm-hmm. Then I ask myself, well, how many of these are solved? Well, as it turns out, almost half of the violent crimes are solved. Oh, 40, good. 46%. That's great. And 19% Ish. of the property crimes are solved. That leaves 600,000 unsolved violent crimes and a million and a half unsolved property crimes. So the total unsolved is 2.1 million. You want to know how many people are in prison right now in America? I'll tell you, it's 2.3 million. Okay. So you compare the 2.1 million unsolved crimes we have in the United States with other problems like overdose deaths, 67,000 a year, COVID deaths so far, tragically 89,000 deaths in America so far, if the trend continues, and you know, it could be a much worse, but if the trend continues, it'll be about one-seventh of unsolved violent crimes. So my solution, Connor, is number one, fix the system, get rid of the victimless crimes, get rid of racism, and then spend the dollars you're saving to double the prison population because we got 2.1 million unsolved crimes out there. So I'll say- Is there any problem with that? Yes, yeah, several, and I'd love to explain oh, them. Oh, so- we've run out of time, <laughs> Connor. Can, maybe if I invite you as co-host next week. Oh yeah. no, I'm wrong. We do have time. All right. What the okay. hell's wrong with my idea? Okay. Okay. So so uh, let's start off with first. You're right. You've got uh, a bunch of unsolved crimes out there. Say say there are double the number of unsolved crimes as number of people currently in prison. Well, the funny thing is. Are you that, sure you want to use the word funny in this context? That a lot is this, of is crimi- this funny, haha, like a Woody Allen joke, or funny, strange, like a Woody Allen marriage? Yeah, there, there we are. Yeah. So, so thanks for giving time to say, let that joke. Yeah, sink that's in. good. Yeah, we have to absorb it. So, uh, criminals uh, commit lots of crimes. Uh, in fact, one criminal might commit more than uh, yep. one crime, just the crime he was Tragically. locked up for. So, say, uh, let's say that, uh, and criminals don't usually love to take credit for the crimes that they don't get caught for. So, uh, it, say hypothetically that it's possible <laughs> publicly. that uh, a criminal commits 10 crimes uh, and then gets caught um, and, and then we look at the population. I've actually read that uh, the recidivism problem is such that uh, if you let somebody out because they've served their time, uh, I think something like 50% of them are back mm. in prison in three or four years. And the statistics are, on average, they've committed five crimes between release and the time they got wow. put so back in. These guys and gals are, are out there committing a whole bunch of crimes. So uh, the idea that we could just sort of use the numbers and brute force it and say, well, there are X many unsolved crimes compared to X number of people in prison, and therefore we need to double the prison population or to capture all the uncaptured right. prisons. It's, it's a it little could, off, but could, don't, shouldn't well, we try to well, find these people no, and it, put it, them behind bars? It could totally be the case that we are capturing a very high percentage of people who are doing crimes, uh, serious crimes that need to be, you know, need Hope incarceration afterwards. Um, and then there's the other idea uh, that we don't actually want to lock people up in prison because locking people up in prison is not actually a very effective way of stopping them from committing crimes, uh, as you explained. Hey, if you can come up with a better way of preventing a guy from continuing to commit the yeah. 87 burglaries right. that got him in prison, 
uh, other than locking him up. I'm all ears. Well, there are lots if of counseling or hypnosis works. Yeah. Ooh, great ideas. Go ahead, knock there, yourself out. There are lots of watch countries. the watch, Mister Burglar. Are lots of countries around the world that have very reduced prison sentences in comparison to ours. They have rehabilitation and, yeah. and re- Sweden's kind of a homogeneous society. Sure, I don't know if you can transfer. I think that Sweden's I think that's a, a that's a, that sort of argument of oh we're all too different is, is overblown. It doesn't matter that we're not homogeneous. That I think that's just sort of uh, inherent built in race. Racism and sexism and and xenophobia, where we say, well, it must be people different than I am committing crimes out there. No, it, everybody commits crimes from all you know walks of life. And in fact, white people commit more crimes than anybody else, not just because there are a lot of there's white people. Bernie Madoff and there's Willie Horton because they're not policed. You know, we are frequently able to get away with a lot of crimes because of the way policing is administered. But overall, at the base of everything, as you said it. You're absolutely spot on dead correct. The first thing you have to do is solve law enforcement because it is immoral. It is wrong to start throwing more people in prison when you know the system disproportionately hurts uh, and and prosecutes innocent people of certain uh, ethnic groups uh, and racial groups. That is a, a moral wrong that has to be corrected before you can make any steps toward a larger carceral state. And eventually, I think we would find that we don't need to move in the direction of a larger and more vigorous car- carceral state at all. I think it is, in fact, the expansion of the carceral state as a scapegoat. A state as a scapegoat uh, for uh, uh, avoiding real social progress that is our, our one of our biggest hindrances in America. Instead of saying, well, there are problems in America, so we should lock up more people, we should say, let's solve the problems, and then we will discover that we have to lock up fewer people uh, in the future, and, you know, hashtag uh, maybe someday uh, nobody at all, and prisons, abolish prisons, so hashtag, what, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're doing here, Connor, is- Solving all of life's problems. Well, we're, we're trying to use critical thinking right. to address this. And, and I want to close out uh, the show by talking about some folks who maybe aren't using critical thinking quite as much. Love it. Tempers are fraying and things are getting a little bit coarse. Uh, when you see Robert De Niro on cable, odds are pretty good he's going to drop the F-bomb. I about, love it about every time. It's so good. Yeah. Just about every time. But- I want to talk about a California assemblywoman, Lorena Gonzalez. And I think maybe she should conform to, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, a more family-friendly code of conduct. Because when Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, the other day said, hey, I'm leaving California. I don't like this stay-at-home order. I'm going to go to Texas, Nevada, saying he was going to move his business to another state. Well, this is an issue kind of like our carceral state issue where you and I did our best to try to apply critical thinking techniques. Now, did Lorena Gonzalez do that? No. What she did was that she tweeted blank Elon Musk. You could say, it it's was, a podcast. It was, you, it was the <laughs> F word, okay? And so she that's what she did. Yeah. She tweeted the expression, blank Elon Musk. That'll learn him. Don't you think maybe she should have given her constituents a, a favor and tried to analyze things a little more thoroughly than just nah. hurling an epithet? Nah, Elon Musk. Look, you don't like Elon Musk? No, not a fan. Look, Elon has put so little thought into... Uh, his political positions, uh, his economic positions, uh, what he does with all his money, uh, where he has his factories and how that impacts people. Like, this is a businessman who made a whole bunch of money in an industry where basically anybody could have made that much money if he they'd had all the South African, you know, blood money that his family gave him. Uh, and then he made, you know, turned that into PayPal money and now has so much money, it's, it's unreal and makes pretty badass cars, which I'd love to drive, of course. Uh, but 
that doesn't make him some sort of genius and have good policy uh, opinions. Admit it. You don't like the fact that he smoked dope on TV. That's uh, what bothers yeah, you, he, right? Yeah, he did look ridiculous. But yet what I really don't like is that he has consistently not only just like you know, violated a bunch of laws on Twitter, but this is a guy who basically shoots from the hip, doesn't think through anything, and is on such a low level of, of analytical thought that there's no way that a state senator can come in and explain to him, look, you want to say I'm going to take my I'm going to take my business outside of California. Think about all of the billions of dollars that Elon Musk has, has raked in because of California's infrastructure and customers and uh, our, our culture and everything else that he advanced, all the, the people that he hires who are educated because they went to public schools in California, all these things he gained. And for him to say like, oh, I brought this to California impliedly by saying like, I created everything. This is Obama. You didn't build this all over again. Elon, you didn't build this to say, I'm going to take Tesla to Arizona. And just as though that's the mic drop moment, F Elon Musk, who thinks he could just walk out of the place that built him and claim that he can move it anywhere else he wants because he's the only, he's the star of the show. He's the source of all the money and wealth and job creation. Well, it's a, it's You're a, nothing. You're an empty it's suit. It's amazing, Connor. It's almost as if you applied critical thinking techniques <laughs> to analyzing but, what Elon Musk did as opposed to what Lorena Gonzalez did. She is on such a level she doesn't no, need to come down. She's, she's, she's she, down she, at the bottom <laughs> level because she chose not to do what you just did sure, and give sure. rational reasons why he's wrong. Instead, she just hurls an epithet. But I knew what she Lorena, meant. we want to know exactly why you hate Elon Musk. Maybe you agree with Connor. Maybe you have other reasons. You owe us an explanation. Text me, Lorena. Text me. All right. We've done it. Uh, I'm exhausted. This has been a, a fun <laughs> episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see you next week on uh, Too Many Lawyers. Have a great safe week. Bye, everybody. Bye.